All right. So the last time that we were all together on a call, we had some New Year's, New Year's resolutions. Uh, let's check in and see how they all went. Brian, would you like to go first? Nope. Okay. Matt, would you like to go first? <laughs> no, I'll go first. I'll go, I'll go first. <laughs> um, you had two things. And one was like taking more deliberate action throughout your day. Mm-hmm. And the other was like having more control over like what you're doing in a social setting. For instance, if you're at a bar, you don't have to drink at the bar. So I don't drink at all anymore. Okay. It's like completely off the table. But like that sort of adventurousness has gone to other things where like when I went to Sifunda Bar, um, we went to um, this taco teria i don't know what it's called Taqueria. <laughs> it was a taco place next to uh, in harvard square and we i got this hot sauce because i wanted to just oh be adventurous with it and try that and it just was the most wicked hot sauce i've had and it was like a moment that was like stretched out to like affect my next hour of how <laughs> hot sauce was um walking- are you into hot sauces now uh, not really, but I was just okay. like, in the moment, I was just like, hey, you know, we, my girlfriend and I had driven out from um, Holyoke to go see Wunderbar, and it was a blast, and they were so good. Um, but then we were just like, um, let's go get tacos. I, oh, my God, there's a video of me dying on it somewhere, um, <laughs> my girlfriend's phone. But, yeah, so, like, that adventurousness, and when I say adventurousness, I mean, like, uh, speaking to deliberate actions, it's just like the deliberate action and also abstinence from different things, being in control of, of your behavior and not having to fit into exactly where, um, not be affected by what people think you should be doing in a certain space or something like that. And having a little bit more freedom and in another aspect of that, putting that job that I didn't want, like working as the after school program person, that took some uh, freedom and some deliberate action. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to piss these people off. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to deprive them of a supervisor. The kids will be mad that I care about way more because like the money is number three. I'll recover from that. I think I can make it work. Two is, wow, I'm going to get like hammered by like three or four people are going to be like, you're what? Um, and then number one is like the 20 something kids that'll be like, what do you mean you're not going to be after school anymore? I, I, I see them all day, every day in school. And I'm just like, I'm still just like, well, you know, going to college, man. I'm, I got night classes now. Yeah. Um, so deliberate action. And then um, being sort of in control and uh, sort of standing up for yourself and acting the way that you would like to within limits, within appropriateness. I have such a gooberly approach to talking to the kids I work with and they're so goofy with me and they're just, we have bits on bits all the time and we just joke. Like if somebody comes up to me in the cafeteria, it has a banana and then also has another and then gives me the second banana and like makes a call. Another banana. Like I pick it up every time, and I think there are some teachers that are just like, "Oh, right, banana phone, got it." And then there's me that I'm just like, uh, I'll go way to the other side of the cafeteria with the banana phone and just be like, mm-hmm. uh, "So anyway, my my point Can being, you hear me now? Can you hear me now? My, yeah. <laughs> my point being is that um, that you have to not have friends. They're obviously their children. They're other people's children. But like 
a lot of people like you need to be way strong with them. I'm like, hey, the next point of being strong with them is yelling at them. So I don't know <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. So again, standing up for the way I want to do things and um, being a little, I don't know, strong-willed with it is I'm not going to yell at these kids ever. I will be stern as could be with them and give them teacher voice as hard as they can. But I'm not going to yell at them. I'm not going to like freak them out or scare them because the number one thing I want them to do is to be happy to be in school and not afraid of any teacher ever. And that's about all I have to say on that. It's been an interesting year, as I said, but it's boring. Like not so many different things going on, just sort of yeah. the same thing. But um, I still like kept my weight where I wanted it. I still exercised how I wanted. I still played guitar and wrote songs and whatever. And I've also like, me and my girlfriend, like, we write silly, completely inappropriate songs here at the house <laughs> all day. <laughs> like, at least one a week, we have a notepad in my phone of just these completely silly, just zany songs that are not folk songs or whatever my style is. Mm. Um, so I'm trying to open up my creative mind a little bit more. But to find an outlet for it is the next thing. I don't really know. Other, other than just making my girlfriend laugh with the songs, which is kind of its own yeah, price. Yeah, yeah. Those, that's my thoughts on the resolutions so far. Mm. I had an interesting uh, relationship with deliberate action for about half the year because I started using a habit tracker because I was in physical therapy for a while. So I had to like get my knee exercise in. And then I figured we did a whole episode about this last spring called Habits and Routines. And I talked about how, you know, I scheduled when I would do all of my like serious cleaning around the house. So it was kind of like the first week of the month was when I did all the deep cleaning with my kitchen and bathroom and everything. And once a week, I would schedule exactly the time that I had to set aside to clean everything because I had realized that if I don't do that, then I'd clean impulsively. And then cleaning impulsively, just kind of like puttering around the house tidying things up, like just schedule a time to do that. And then you'll have more time around that. Right. So between that and exercising and like just scheduling a lot of things into my days was really helpful for a while. And then it fell apart once I started a new job because I immediately had to restructure my days. Um, so I haven't gotten back into it, but I've, I've maintained some of it. I've maintained like all the cleaning stuff has, has stayed, but my exercise has really fallen off quite a bit. And I was trying to be more deliberate about like when I played music and when I would like sit down to write and stuff like that. And I found that was the really hard thing. That's kind of the one area where I need a little bit of chaos. Like I, I can't schedule creativity. So I found that interesting. Like part of my New Year's resolution, I don't think I said this on, on mic, but it became a, a New Year's resolution of mine to start playing more and writing more music and like trying to engage with music playfully again and not take it as seriously. And that was really successful overall, but really unsuccessful in terms of scheduling times or like, or giving myself an amount of time that I wanted to play every week. So it's not to say like, I haven't been creative. I just can't be creative on a schedule. There have been a few nights for me where I, at midnight, I'm like, duh, shit, this is a very, this is a good one. And then just like lean on that and write like, I, if it's, if I, if I found like a verse frame where I could just like have all, like it's a song that's going to be like four or five verses, but I just find a formula for the way the song's going to work. I'll be like, all right, well, I'll write one and then I'll write two. And then I'll be like, all right, I think I got maybe two. All right, we'll do one more. It's one o'clock. I have to be up for seven. <laughs> it's like it has so. So I know what you're saying. When when uh, when the idea is there, you have to 
You can't be like, hey, man, it's midnight. It's past idea time. <laughs> I've also found a lot of it to be environmental, though. I guess this this factors into the chaos thing, too, though. Like if the people that I live with are out of town because it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas and they're visiting people, like if I have the house to myself, I'll take that opportunity to work like nonstop. Like it's not it's not hard for me to go like, OK, here's the opportunity to like be alone and get recording done and everything. And so I have to schedule the creativity throughout these next few days when I have the house to myself. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's a very like, okay, it's go time. I'll have to do this, right? Um, it's not always creativity as much as it's like logistical planning out what I what I have the time to record and everything, but still. But I found that a lot of it is environmental. A lot of it is like just kind of not having a place to go where I'm comfortable exercising. A lot of like, and this could be the wherever you go, there you are thing. Where <laughs> Maybe I do just need to work on me before I can be comfortable in another place doing those things and then maybe maybe I would never do them no matter where I lived but I'm the kind of person who needs to feel like there's a lot of flex space around me and otherwise I'm I'm not really comfortable moving around moving about freely I I, um I started at this gym back in June that's like 24 hours a day Mm mm-hmm so on weekends, like just this, this you know, yesterday, I, I, it was like 10 o'clock and I was like, well, my girlfriend's going to be home from work at like one. So let's go. I, and by the way, I'm the only one in there because I get a key card, not a key card, but like I get a code to put in a little box and then I get the door open and play music and train and stuff in there. And I left the, the, the people gym, as my friends call it, the, the gym where there's like always no less than 50, 60, 70, 80 people in the gym and they're all amazing they're all 90 pounds <laughs> in, in yoga pants and like can you know boulder v6 7 and then just like walk away like they did nothing um and it they're so good and it, and the music is on and i can't control the music but then you go to my new gym and there's no one there Every other time I'll run into one or two people. It's never more than three or four people in the same place. So that's helped me a lot. I hear what you're saying with like the, the places that are open late. And this is like what I miss the most about having a studio, which I don't have anymore. And I did for a couple of years, was that like if you just wanted to leave the house at 10 p.m. and go somewhere and play and you don't have to worry about being loud or waking people up, you can. And having that kind of creative space not in your life anymore. It's a, it's a pretty drastic change because you, you suddenly can't go like, oh, I have an idea to record something and then it's midnight and you can just do it. So that's what I mean by a lot of it is, is environmental. It's like a lot of the stuff that I would like to do, I would like to do when I have alone time. And if that alone time is only coming late at night, then I'm not going to do the stuff. So that's what I, I found that challenging. I mean, ask my girlfriend, like, the number one thing she hates about me playing music in the house is that I don't sing loud enough. <laughs> like, she's so, she's so tired of my voice not being loud. Um, and, as for, and as for open mics, there's nothing that I could get out to other than a Friday night thing in Ware, which is once a month, and then going over to East Hampton, which is um, twice a week. Yeah. But it's also, like, it's intimidating to head out over to the Luthiers because everybody is so good. I, I I went there and I have my songs and then I'm just followed by like just killers at every direction. Mm. So it's like, it's intimidating, 
not be and uh, it's not because I have to be the best one in the room always, but I just like I come from so long of like everyone at the open mic is 60 or 70 mm-hmm. and playing songs mm-hmm. that came out when they were younger than me. So that's what I like. And I'm at the weird point where I don't want to go back to that, but I would really like to go back to that. <laughs> like I would really like to just go like blow people away who love old folk music and play them my stuff and then et cetera. But then again, they're my friends from going way back to when I was like a teenager um, or young adult. And uh, they'll to what with all of the love, I think they'll be supportive no matter what I play. But if I go to Luthier's on a Thursday and like try out some new stuff, it'll be cool, but I'll get 10 minutes and that'll be my time. And the old home of mics are usually 20 minutes or something like that. So I don't know. It's I'm at the point of like, I don't know what's uh, I don't know what's coming up next for me musically. And I don't know. And, and I'm losing touch with what I came from. So I'm like totally in um, in music purgatory. As someone who hosts an open mic, if someone came up to me and said, I want to play 20 minutes at this open mic, I'd be like, that's it. You're asking me to take a big gamble right now on you. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I'm about to do 20 minutes. It's like, okay, well, what are you like? Mine is just getting going too. Like it's, it's picking up speed, but there have been weeks when like two people show up for it. So it's just like, Oh, we got to fill time. All right. Play as long as you want. And then the people that you allow to play as long as they want, or just, you you wish you didn't. (laughs) I've watched so many people deliberately walk a room. It's like my favorite thing. I, I, wish I, knew, I wish I knew who they were. Were any of them magicians? Oh, they're always magicians. No, it was, no, but it was magic how quickly they made everybody leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, like, I don't know, it's just this person. I, 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 I love what they do so much because they just play like very sloppy, loud um, solo lead sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the words are all like Tom Waits, except you can't understand what the words are. And he's like, people I have not seen smoke before will go outside to smoke to get away from the music on stage. And I don't open mic because there's no one else on the list and they can go along and it's fine. Um, and I, I admire the, the willingness to do that. Uh, somebody who's just like, I sing two lines of this song and like a table just gets up. Like to not have that bum you out. If I if I did that, I'd be mortified. But at the same time, I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Matt has two resolutions. One was like along along the lines of the deliberate action stuff, and the other was getting better at leaving a room. Yeah. What was the deliberate action one though? Because I remember the leaving a room one. I was thinking about that a little earlier today. But was mine just kind of piggybacking? I don't remember specifically. I should have listened to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think I like vaguely remember, like I remember the spirit of what like headspace I was in at the time and what I probably meant by that. But I would give myself maybe like a a grade of like a 40% on the leaving a room one at this point in the year. And did you get worse? No, I'd say like from where I was, like, I think I've improved. It has not been a hundred, but it's a big enough I've taken a big enough chunk out of that problem that I can see like, okay, like there's, I get how I'm going to do this now and yeah, how it's yeah. going to help me now. So I'm pretty like, okay with it, but I, yeah, I do need to get better at that in certain aspects of my life. And then the being more purposeful and 
kind of having more agency, I would say I've, I've felt a lot better about that. Um, that one's actually surprised me how much, like once you start yanking on that thread, it can really start to work and sort yeah. of snowball. So I've been very kind of thrilled with the results there. Have you felt being more pur purposeful in any specific area? The biggest one is probably around just getting the things done that I want to do. Like doing the, the races that I did this year were kind of the two things that it just took work and it took discipline to yeah. to do them. And I remember feeling really proud after each one because it was like this wasn't something that I thought was possible, but it also wasn't an accident that it worked. Like it felt like mm -hmm. a lot of things, but it did not feel like a fluke. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool because I realized like, no, this was just understanding like if I put all of these little tiny pieces together in the right order for the right amount of time, this plan will work. And I started figuring out that I could apply that to other aspects of my life. And uh, that if I wanted something big or small, like whether it had to be a strategic sort of approach or just something that it's like, this is what I want to do today. Like half the battle was just saying, I, I want this. And I don't need to ask for it. Like, it's not something like the world doesn't need to grant you shit. You mm -hmm. can just kind of like, for the most part, you can just do stuff like little stuff, you know, and other stuff might take work or might take resources. And, mm. but once I kind of realized that about certain things in my life, I was like, this is awesome. Like there's so much more willpower that you can tap into once you start thinking that way. Yeah. I'll tell you what's been tough and what's been kind of like, I've been finding workarounds for it too. So one of my things was that I wanted to find a hobby and I started getting into guitar repair, like not as a job, not as a career ambition, but just like, it's something that I've always been interested in. I wanted to get better at guitar repair. My sense of consequence and my sense of urgency is always so low for any resolution that I make where like, if I start doing something and it feels good for a little bit, great. But then that's like, I, I just revert to old habits after a while, you know, like I'm bad at keeping resolutions and like setting certain kinds of goals. But then I started just taking in friends' guitars to fix. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, this doesn't leave my house until it's fixed. And until it's fixed, it's taking up space. Like, it's not a huge obstacle necessarily but i just at one point this year i had like six guitars that weren't mine just <laughs> in my house and i'm like these don't leave until i get them i gotta get i get them off my bench you know <laughs> but like actually kind of raising the stakes a little bit by just saying like okay i'm gonna take this in and like i i bought one that was real cheap that needed a few minor repairs and my plan is just to resell it so like the stakes are a little bit high there like not high, high, but I got it for like 50 bucks. And I'm like, okay, I can make a couple hundred bucks on this if I, if I fix it up right and, and, and sell it. So I've kind of been giving me, again, like it's not something that I want to go into business on really. I just want to get better at it for myself and doing my own repairs. And it's like a way for me to develop a new, a new hobby and a new skill set. So that's been going really well. But then in terms of other hobbies, like I don't know what else I would want to do with my time. You know, I have decided to like start spending time, more time in the woods and start like coordinating more hikes with other people and like kind of raise my, my socialization standards, which I'm still kind of rebuilding from post COVID. Same, same, same. But like, if it's a hobby, that's the, the guitar thing is like kind of the only hobby that I can think of that I would do, you know, everything else. I don't know if I'd consider a hobby, but I think. I was talking about like a hobby that would allow for some, some social reinforcement and I'm fine separating those two things. 
So. I mean, you you win the podcast thus far for, for like be, <laughs> getting into guitar repair and fixing guitars and like not only that, but getting one and re- did you resell it? Not yet. I haven't I haven't finished the work yet, but still, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you're never you know it depends on what happens, but you're not going to have to like ask someone to repair your guitar. It depends. It, it, it depends. depends. Yeah. But like, you don't have to ask that. I mean, I know, I know, I have friends who learned how to change their own oil in their cars when they were like 18 right. or, less, or younger because their dad was just like, no, you're not going to, you know, drop 30, 40 bucks or more every time you need new oil. I'm just going to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. I'm still like, if you ask me how to change um, or how to jump a car right now, I mean, I'm Googling it. <laughs> I, I it's, it happened to me three times this year or less or, or, or like or more this year because the thing is is it involves electricity and i think i might have told the both of you that i got like floored floored by an amplifier once okay like <sighs> an ungrounded amplifier yeah and i mean <sighs> just rocked yeah and so i'm like permanently a little afraid of electricity and um, so I don't want to mess with a car because I know that you could really mess yourself up jumping your car badly. So learning that, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I think I could figure it out. I, and, I, and I have, but I don't know it offhand. So like, that's admirable. That's pretty sweet. I was wondering um, what happened to the guitar you had. I think you might have shown it to us last, uh, like in January. Yeah, progress has been made. Um <laughs> awesome if it's not done it's not done but like to have it and to continue to work on it here's the telecast i'm so excited that looks cool man i'm literally just waiting for trevor to come over and help me wire it because i don't want to do that alone even looking at like youtube instructions and stuff like that like i just rather somebody be next to me and show me hands-on step-by-step how to do it and then i'll be able to do it again Yeah, Um, yeah but when when we talked last about the guitars I had two different. This is one of them, but I I I bought a neck for this, a new a new neck that had a headstock already, because I had bought two blank headstocks that I was gonna shape myself, and the reason I got this was like I'm just gonna keep again that sense of urgency, like I'm just gonna keep procrastinating because I'm afraid that I'll ruin this. Like it's something that I would like to do is to like learn how to work with wood to the point where I can shape a headstock and have it be a playable guitar. But then that sense of urgency and interest leaves my brain and I go, why don't I just buy <laughs> another <laughs> neck that already has a headstock on it? And I think that is also environmental. Like that that's also an environmental thing where like if I were in the right space with the right people, with the right tools around and I had somebody who could support me in that process a little bit and teach me things that I don't know, I'd be fine, but like me alone with a scroll saw and like, <laughs> and no formal knowledge of how to do it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just never going to get around to it. So luckily my brother-in-law is a pretty decent woodworker. So he's, I think I'm going to ask for his help. That's awesome. Um, hey, build like, a guitar with whatever help. That's That makes me think too, that like, I don't know. I'm curious if you guys have kind of realized this about your resolutions, but like Joel, what you were saying reminded me of just how sometimes these things will change over especially over the course of a year, like a longer time period like that, like you start to realize that whatever goal might've felt pretty singular at the time, it really can split out into a lot of different facets or subparts, or, you know, you realize that different aspects of it will go at a different pace. And 
I've kind of been learning in like at this point in my life that like that's a really important part of chasing any sort of long-term goal or aspiration or you know thing you want to develop about yourself is like understanding that like if you keep plowing ahead at some point or potentially pretty rapidly you're going to start realizing some of the intricacies involved yeah and that's going to change like you don't have to take your eye off the the ultimate thing but it is going to change like when you realize oh okay like i don't want to sink an incredible amount of time into this one little sub part right now so let me see if i can find a way to just expedite that which will let me keep you know being free to work on all this other stuff so right don't feel like you have to be a purist you know like and that was the thing with the with the neck that already had the the carved headstock cuz i was mm -hmm. like the longer i i know that i'm going to put this off and the yeah. longer i do put it off the longer i'm waiting until I learn how to wire a guitar. Yeah. Now, and again, now I'm just waiting on Trevor to, <laughs> yeah. to teach me. Or anybody, this is a, a public call for anybody <laughs> who wants to come over and teach me how to wire a guitar. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was part of it is like, let's get this one thing, because this is going to be an obstacle. Let's get that out of the way so that I don't have to worry about it. And then I can continue learning how to do the rest of it. Because yeah. then it's really the difference between woodworking and guitar repair. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like one one was a woodworking issue, which I still have not successfully started to become a woodworker. <laughs> but there's nothing stopping you either because now you, like you will have, at a certain point, you will have built your own guitar that you can play. And right. you can sort of then break that down into pieces and be like, you know what, I want to like tackle the woodworking component of it. Right. But you'll be able to add that to the pile of knowledge that you've accumulated in that you can, you know, fix a guitar or assemble a guitar. Right. Because if you take it the other way and frame it, like, you need to be a complete and utter purist about every aspect of it. Like, you could also point to, like, well, why aren't you, like, hand-coiling your own pickups? Why are you buying pre-made pickups? And, like, <laughs> why aren't you growing your own trees <laughs> to cut the wood? Like, you know, it's endless. And it's, like, I mean, some of it gets pretty absurd. Like, it starts feeling more like a thought experiment. But it kind of goes back to the beginner's mind stuff that we we talked about way back when like there's something just so exciting when you throw yourself into a new idea and part of that is just going to be you know you're going to be humbled by realizing something you thought was simple is actually like oh that's a year of learning right there like just to shape that headstock the right way i'm gonna have to screw up 25 heads and i don't have time right now to put the entire goal on the back burner and i, I think that's a really cool part of of committing to a goal so what about when you're doing these new things and while you're in the momentum of it, while you've like, for example, like set yourself up with a show in a month that like now you don't quite want to do a month, a month away. So like what happens with that, where when you're working towards something, the head game comes in and it starts to become something that you have to manage in order to be polite to yourself and nice to yourself and appropriate to yourself um because like you you have these guitars now they have to be fixed if you don't fix them why did you take them in i get that way with um setting up gigs to go do because i'm like i have to learn some songs for that and it's going to be a lot of work but i really would just like the free time and not have to learn all those new songs but then why did i set myself up with the show to drive across the state and go play at a restaurant well because i like it out there and they pay okay and i could you know go on a road trip and possibly go hang out with some friends from back home 
But I also would like to say, so there's just like this dialogue in the midst of a pursuit of something. And then, you know, you can also, I can also apply that to, um, sometimes I will like go to the gym um, because I'm like, good God, like I'm not happy with how I've been eating and I haven't been exercising at all. I have to go do that. Or what kind of man am I? So I, I, what I would like to know more about is um, your own self working on something um, because mine can get dark and twisted. <laughs> it's just like, like I, I am not, for the record, for the listeners and for everybody, happy Brian who goes <laughs> to the happy gym, who plays the happy songs, who hangs out with the happy kids. <laughs> I am, I have been, but it's not all that I am. And it's, it's like, it's going to the freaking gym to teach the freaking kids or like writing freaking music because I freaking have to, because it's all I know how to do and I want to do it. Um, so like, what do you think about that? Like appropriate mindset and like not being a jerk. I mean, just like a quick thought about it of what I'm going at is like, I mean, my, my girlfriend, Alex, tells me again and again and again, you cannot do something expecting um, to improve upon it if you're, like, going to be disgusted with yourself if you don't get to where you want to be with it. So it's a, it's applicable. Will it be applied? <laughs> will it apply is the question. Like, will it blend? What do, you, what do you think about that? Because I've had – there's a whole lot of reasons to do things. Not all of them can be positive. Uh, or not all of them are positive all of the time. I think it's healthy, personally, for them not all to be positive. Because there's a difference between engaging with those less happy feelings or attitudes and stuff and being outright abusive to yourself. They often get conflated, which is, to me, that's the really negative stuff. Like, that's the really toxic stuff, is having to walk on eggshells around those days where you just feel like a piece of shit. Like, that should not stop you. Not to say that it, it isn't a powerful thing that will stop you sometimes, but that in a just world wouldn't stop you from getting any closer to the thing you want to do. It'll feel like crap, but you know, it's like, I think that's like one of those things like you should never feel like you, you have to give in to that kind of stuff because like that means being nice to yourself, but also being nice to yourself is a really valuable thing. Like to give an example, like the, the running shit I've been doing the last year or so, cause I'm not like some naturally gifted person with this stuff. I just really want to, to do, like, I really wanted to run a marathon. Like I really want to do these things. And so to me, it was two parts. It was on one hand, I had to be incredibly disciplined about the plan that I set, because if I start screwing off and missing days or even start feeling over ambitious and pushing it too far at the wrong times, I will fail. I have absolutely nothing to fall back on except a lifetime of shin splints, asthma, and I smoke cigarettes. Like there's nothing pushing me besides my own effort. And on the other hand, I have to be nice to myself and realize that like, this isn't going to be a clean process all the time because I have no coach and no idea what the hell I'm doing. All I have is this plan. So there are going to be contingencies that pop up that I have to be able to adapt to. And I have to be able to understand the difference between, I just don't want to do it today. And if I do it today, I'm going to cause problems that I, I have no ability to solve. And so for the last year I've been following, I have like a big ass spreadsheet and I have not missed any days, but I gave myself six weeks throughout the year to just say, these are pad weeks. These are like, if you get COVID and you don't want your heart to explode <laughs> and you feel like it's not safe for you to run, like don't run, don't be Spartan about this. Like that's dumb. 
and that's not being kind to yourself and that's not advancing this plan that's going to set you back like six months so put in a pad week or if you just legitimately feel like your knees are going to explode not like you're achy but like you might have something broken or something like stick one of these weeks two of these weeks in there so it was just enough time to be like to buy myself some some breathing room and say at the very least you know i can analyze the problem and at the most i might be able to actually solve it and then on the other hand too i told myself you are not allowed to miss any days because this is a very thought out plan i built in rest days Basically, I planned with the lowest common denominator in mind. Like I planned not for my best days, but I planned for my worst. So I planned for like no willpower, busy as hell, feel sick, everything hurts, still got to run. That's what I constructed the plan around so that anything else is an improvement on that. Because if you plan around your best days, like you're going to have those like 10% of the time. So you're going to have a shitty time 90% of the time. And so I sort of planned with that in mind, which was a freaking godsend because it was true. I had mostly shitty days for the longest time, but I had the slack, you know, to kind of adapt to it and deal with it. So my rule was you're not allowed to miss any days because everything is in there for a reason. Like if you want to take a rest, you take it on the rest day. But within that, don't be a dick to yourself. When you go out and run that long run, you're allowed to like you know, modulate the tempo of it a little bit and don't feel like you have to go out and be an Olympian every time because you've never done this for six weeks in a row, six months in a row. Like, you're going to be learning stuff. Or like, you know, if you're out running in like a blizzard and it starts to be like you can't see shit, don't feel horrible about like having to stop for a second and figure out where you are. Like, don't feel like you have to be a militant. And allowing myself to take a breath as long as I was in the game and doing the thing that I set out to do and doing it honestly, like actually appraising it, you know, not just saying I'm tired, but like for a while I would walk up hills because I have really bad knees. And I said, all right, like I'm not going to do this during the race, but for the training, if I sprint up every hill, I'm going to destroy myself. So I said, all right, like you're not allowed to walk when you're tired, like figure it out, but you are allowed to walk up hills. And I just set all these little rules and then also set this structured framework around it. And that was like a godsend for me. That was just the, the best way to kind of be like, all right, like you're going to engage with yourself in a kind way every time you go do this, but you're also not going to let your emotions or your feelings dictate whether or not you're advancing. You're not mm -hmm. going to let your life dictate whether or not you're advancing. You're going to be a freaking taskmaster, mm -hmm. but with an eye on something positive. And establishing that dichotomy was something I had never done before in my life. I always thought you either have to be absolutely spartan and militant and going towards the things you want and i would fail or you have to be soft and ineffective but kind and mm. everyone forgives you for it mm -hmm. and now i'm realizing no there's a middle ground where you can be kind and you can be an absolute motherfucker and <laughs> no one has to know <laughs> you know and no one has to know that's like i forgot who said it but my friend my friend was saying it years and years ago which was nobody cares go harder Mm -hmm. um, it's just like mm -hmm. nobody's watching you work nobody's checking your your editing on your thing you're writing and nobody's listening to your drafts of your songs that you're right it's so <laughs> push harder but also be introspective and understand if you're not pushing harder take a breath and look at why you're not and figure out do i even like this <laughs> like am yeah. i not pushing harder because i'm doing a thing that i thought I loved and I've just, I'm afraid to let go or am I not yeah. pushing harder because I just can't today. And in those cases, crack the goddamn whip. And if you feel like 
this isn't hitting that spot anymore and I genuinely don't know if I should be or want to be doing this, then I think it's perfectly okay to sort of take a step and like look at what you're doing with your life. Mm-hmm. I would say like one in five or six of the days where I will go to the gym, I'll, I will at one point come down from a climb, take my shoes off where I stand and go to my backpack, put them in the backpack and walk out mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will I will do that. And that's because I'm getting mad at something. And this wonderful climbing partner um, I had for a little while, um, I forget their name because I kind of have a lot every now and then. But uh, she's like, never forget, you pay to be here. <laughs> you, pay to, you pay to come here. And and then also, like, I had a couple of stinker nights of playing music this year where, like, I went out and played something and I was just like, ugh, it was embarrassing. Because I suck and I'm terrible and nothing's ever going to get better and it's the end of the world. So, or comma, you didn't practice at all, (laughs) (laughs) or your strings are like five months old, or you kind of don't like that song, but you play it because it's the only one you can remember because you haven't been reading your words or learning the new songs yet, because I always read the new songs off my computer or off my notebook or something. I'm not learning them. Maybe that's why it sucks. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's way, way, way more likely that I'm just terrible. It's so much easier to be like, no improvement possible. It's way easier to say that than be like, there's some things that can change. I think I, I, I keep thinking about, I remember part of my New, Year, New Year's resolution had to do with institutional support and like having some, not financial backing necessarily, but like, you know, at least moral support of some kind of organization or some kind of community behind what I decided to do for a hobby or whatever my next job was going to be or, or anything. And I, I am recognizing that I have a long history of motivations being guided by the want for institutional support and then getting into a situation where I essentially just end up being an independent contractor, not even like employment speaking, but just like I end up being alone. I end up being like on my own trying to figure it out. And then what is the motivation to keep going for that? Like when you don't feel like you have the support. So like, for instance, you know, I started a discussion group through the liturgists community this year. And the liturgists used to be a larger institution. And now for lack of more goings on within that community, I was like, I'll start a discussion group, a weekly thing. And so I did that. And like, have the (laughs) figureheads of that community ever come to the discussion group? Nope. Can I reach out to them for support if I need it? Yes. Uh, But like, is there an active interest in the thing that I'm doing? From the community members? Sure. From the institution itself? No. Which isn't to say that there's like no interest at all. But it's, you know, it's very much a thing that like I started on my own. And it's just become like, all right, I guess I have to do my own thing. I guess I have to like, if, if I'm going to be seen as somebody who's doing like an independent thing rather than with support from the organization or with level of support that I would prefer, then I guess I just have to do that, you know? And so there's like, then I'm asking where does the motivation come from when I'm putting work into an organization or some kind of institution or some kind of community that I'm not receiving a, a like a reciprocal support from, right? And so thinking about that, I, the only thing I've got is that it's in my nature to be generative and it's in my nature like to fill space where there is a vacuum. 
Mm-hmm. It's in my nature to recognize that there's there's something can be created here. Let's give it a shot. And that thing could crash and burn, or that thing could be very successful, or that thing could be a moderate success or appreciated by a few, but like that appreciation is, is worth it, you know? And like, you know, with, with, uh, Woolen Mills, my, my DIY venue, like that was a very appreciated thing by about 15 people and (laughs) a, a extremely looked over thing by everyone else, you know, like it was a way to build community and a way to bring people together. And it was not a huge success. And every single time I threw a show there, I was like, five people are going to show up, but it's going to be cool because I'll get to hang out with those five people. Like I always wished, and there were some nights when it was way better than that. And there were some nights when, when it was like on par with that, but either way, it's like, this is going to bring people together. And either way, it was like, there's nothing else in this area like this that is happening. And so there is a, there is a vacuum. I must fill that space with something. So that I can have something to fucking do. First of all, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's occupational. It's yeah. this is how you occupy yourself, and you occupy yourself by doing things that you know. Join the club don't always work as well as you thought they might. I mean, mm-hmm. I I booked shows specifically to have people come to town to hang out with them. And I'd plug them as hard as possible and I'd get the five or 10 people to go. Yeah. Um, so it was just like tragic. Um, but this goes back in, I, I, you know, it circles back a little bit I, somehow to what we were talking about, how like doing things that don't work and uh, or don't work the way we wanted them to. This is the work of learning things and doing new things. I mean, you're, you're, you try wicked hard not to wait to talk when people are talking, but good God, if you're not telling me exactly what happened with the why for me. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like I heard they needed somebody. Um, so I'm like, ah, I'll jump in there because I want to fill the void. Like you said, I want to like jump in the spot where you need help and I'm going to go do the helpful thing. And there are people who are like, wow, damn it. You're always great. You're great. We like you very much. Good job. Good job. And that's what you want. And the thing is, is once you get that, you have to continue to walk with it <laughs> because, <laughs> because if you don't, you will come to the next part alone without it empty handed, which the next part is like, I need administrative help. I need people from inside the administration of the why to help me with my staff and with my programming and with my scheduling of events and with my, what the F do we do here? This is not a daycare. This is, you know, the YMCA, this is sporting or social things. That's what the why has always, the why has always been about is building strength and actual literal strength, um, helping kids be stronger. I need help from the Y to do these things. And uh, what are we going to do? We're going to help them be strong. We're going to help them be crafty and be social and have positive social things because a lot of these kids come from like not so positive places. But anyway, so my point is, is it got so difficult and this summer was such a disaster. We could talk for a whole hour on why it was so weird and so uncomfortable (laughs) and so challenging. And I just struggled so hard and then got nothing out of it. Mm. And I had parents be like, this was great. And we loved how much the kids loved you. And we, all they do is talk about all the fun they're having. And I'm just like, dude, I'm glad your kids are having fun. Cause I'm not at all. <laughs> like I'm having <laughs> some fun, some days genuine, but holy crap, like so much hardship. 
And I can either be like, strike out. <laughs> or I could be like, that was my season at the Y. Maybe the next season at my next thing will be better. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Joel. I have done like many, 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 many things that so totally didn't work out. And that's just like, oh, well, that's just how it went that time. I mean, like I'm going to school right now and it's going better than it's ever gone maybe <laughs> like there's <laughs> probably a time where I had it a little bit smoother and I am duking it out with my professor because my professor wants me to do math one way and get it right. And I can do it my way and get it right. She'll give me zero points if I do it the way I did it. And the way I keep looking at it and the way, the way I, I wish to go back to beginner's mind, the way I wish I could look at it from the start, it's not so positive and you don't want to go there, but you want to be like, no matter how this goes, like if I bomb this class because I can't negotiate with the professor, then it will suck for an amount of time. Mm -hmm. And after that amount of time, we'll regroup and charge again um, because I've already done that because I did college in 2015 and failed a bunch of shit. And then in 2016 did it and failed a bunch of shit. And then in late 2017 into 18 did it and failed a bunch of shit. But let's wrap it all together and realize that I got credits mm. for doing those things. So you're earning credits out there. You know, <laughs> you, you are your Dean of, of counting your own credits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and Joel uh, have gotten the ran a DIY thing that was fun, but did not sustain itself necessarily or did not uh, keep on going forever, which yeah. it wasn't going to anyways. But it's like, we have those credits. Yeah. Can we be grateful for it? Is it possible to be grateful for it? And I will say that like this new job that I just started, I got it because of my work in the, in the DIY community. Like partially because I had also been adjacent to being an events manager, but not really um, at one of my last jobs. But largely they were like, we need to rebuild our programming and we have empty space that we need to fill. And I was like, you want to talk about filling empty space? <laughs> I turned a 20,000 square foot empty warehouse into a small theater. <laughs> so this thing that I did in my past, like that credit, those credits that I got absolutely have helped me take that next step forward and my being generative or my my being like a curatorial person that is so in my nature and when that is seen and like when i can give that testimonial in ways that it has worked in the past it makes other people want to work with me right but there's always going to be a little part of me that goes I want to be able to delegate and I want to be able to take instructions sometimes. And I want to be able to, I want people on the rungs above me reassuring me that I'm doing things right and then giving me bigger things to accomplish. In a somewhat constructive manner. Yeah. As constructive as possible. As constructive as possible. I and do I not react well to people like, wrong, <laughs> try that again, <laughs> try that again, but not as bad. I can't, I can't stand that. I, when I was working for Six Flags I, in costume and scaring people and stuff like that, which is very unnatural for me. I don't like to scare people. It was the job. And I ended up getting it right. But good God, I had a couple people that were just like, what are you thinking? And I'm just like, I don't know. I was just trying. I really wanted my supervisors to like me because I was 
scaring people for money. <laughs> like I'm just like, <laughs> please, please tell me I'm doing good. Because if you tell me I'm doing something bad, that's bad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like scaring people is bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also if you do it well, it's good. Yeah. It's a mess. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's the, the first thing I thought of was uh, was to be working on something and have somebody be like, let me stop you right there. This is terrible and you're terrible and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> it's like I, I go home for the day and I don't recover from that for three days. I, I'm not trying to project what you how you should feel, but holy crap. No, I, I feel I have felt the same way in the past and it's made it made me think of like retail environments that I've worked in where there's kind of a script to stick to. There's like you want you want to like offer people the warranties and like there's a there's things that you have to offer them when you're checking them out at the counter and everything there's and if you get secret shopped you get in trouble if you don't do all those things there's like there's a script to a lot of corporate retail environments that I'm never good to, good at sticking to because I'm like I want a rep- I'll take a rapport over a script any day yeah and both are useful in certain cases but being held to certain corporate standards has never been anything that I'm good at. Same. And that is like the kind of thing, like if you scale the whole institutional support thing up to that level and then you're that kind of person that can adhere to those standards and regulations, then like, sure, you can get institutional support from a giant, you know, corporate megalith that will just have your back until you retire. Great. I can't follow rules that way. Yeah. I can't because they seem so arbitrary to me. They seem so constructed for a world that I do not want to live in. And so I have so many strong feelings about rules and applicability of rules. And I I don't know if anybody saw the thing I posted on Facebook about like the the pie chart of what kind of rules. It was it was very niche. I don't think anybody saw it. But it was a pie chart of rules laws and customs and standards of living and like half of them or maybe a little less than half of them are you must positively never ever break this rule it's not cool it's the way it is because people really would not like it if you broke the law we're talking like the worst of the worst like don't do those things irredeemable but then like half of them are we would really love it if you didn't do that but if it happens we could work we could we could work with it. we could right right you will survive and then a quarter of it at least a quarter of it or more and this is all spitballing is we will tell you not to do it and if you then don't do it if we, we will tell you not to do it and then if you then don't do it we will yell at you for not doing it yeah like i'm right with you and i think it should be talked about that like rules are hard and mm-hmm. when we when we talk about rules we're not talking about the obvious worst of the worst of uh you know standards of living and you know appropriate living in this world of people we're talking about like an example is when i work at six flags they're like you're not allowed to you're not allowed to scare kids ever don't ever scare kids don't even think about it uh don't chase people don't like run after them don't ever do that and also no monologuing or like character discussion with people you're in for the ah, and then dip and because i did not scare children and because i did not chase people and because i did not monologue and have discussions with people in character i got moved out of places people were just like brian you're just not after people and i'm just like 
what do you want me to do? And they're just not like, supposed follow. to be. And they're like, follow them. And I'm like, follow them, like walk quickly after them. Or like, what are you talking about? So it, it took learning because um, there's rules that they give you. And then they're just like, they are suggestions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never know at work. I never know when the rules they tell me, I mean, obviously I do. It's, it's you know, you do not, you're really, really not supposed to scare little kids. Little kids will come up to me and be like, you're not scary. You're not scary. You're stupid. And then if they turn their back and talk to their mom, I will like wide leg stance, like, ah, like snarl at that. And these kids will run and cry. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, yes. <laughs> so the job is like, you have to, keep the whole fright fest the whole spirit of it alive and you i i had to like by requirement had to break the rules in order to keep yeah like myself yeah. going so uh, this is not a podcast about uh what are rules for anyway but it's i so identify with what you're saying though because like every rule this kind of goes back to like defining sin as a kid and wondering like what is that all about and a lot of like my rules were religion based growing up, right? And not a lot of them ever, ever really made sense to me. And that's carried over into a lot of areas, like the corporate retail areas that I had to work with when I was in my 20s. And like what I was kind of getting at is that I think so much of what I've done since leaving those environments is to try and ensure that I'll never have to follow arbitrary rules again. Yeah. But then also, learning what rules are arbitrary and what rules are necessary. So for instance, the reason that my DIY venue got shut down was because it wasn't following certain building codes. It wasn't following certain fire codes. Some of that still seems like a stretch to me. Like it kind of seems like the building inspector was just upset that it was happening without his knowledge and kind of got on my ass about things. But some of it also was like, oh, you raise a very valid point. And so now like I do my best when talking to other people who run DIY spaces to say like, hey, FYI, this is very illegal. You should not have that up. Like there are some rules that are in place for a reason and you will get slammed for them if you're caught breaking them. And at least for the sake of this thing surviving, you should not block that means of egress because that would not make a building inspector happy if he happened to come in here. Stuff like that. So, like, I'm learning the right rules to follow so that tragedy doesn't happen. And That's positive. Yeah, and I'm also <laughs> creating my own rules to follow in hopes that I will not ever have to go back to that corporate environment that makes me miserable because the rules all seem so arbitrary. And so everything I do, I think that that goes hand in hand with why I have that generative nature, why I have that creative nature to me. Because like, there's always been this part of me that's like, I don't want to be accountable to the things that don't make sense to me. So I have to create my own world that does make sense to me, and then hopefully try to be a part of it. And the desire for a larger organization to see that and understand that and go like, yeah, what this kid is doing kid i'm 36 years old what this guy is doing uh you know makes sense and is good and we should support that and we should nurture that like that's all i've ever wanted and so i'm I'm, i think i'm gonna keep trying for my entire life (laughs) to like have the thing that i am trying to curate be recognized by an organization that can offer me more support than i currently have 
that that's like it's it's not living in fear <laughs> of what could be it's living with knowledge of what could be yeah yeah <laughs> it's, you know i live knowing that i could be 20 30 years into teaching the same subjects and the same whatever to the same kids who just don't listen i could put my mind in that perspective but like the one thing i can't imagine as a per- it's like there are teachers who do their thing one way and then there are kids who will like when they're upset will come to me and just hug me without asking and the code is we don't really hug kids i don't have that relationship with kids it's not what we do at school but i'm not going to be like ew get away like it's definitely like you you run into uh into rules like that at school and i ran into it at at Six Flags and I ran into it at and just like playing music and things like that so I, I liked how you said building like building the world for yourself that you would like to be in or trying to not end up in a box before you realize you're in a box yeah there's that but I, the other thing I would say is that like I keep talking about institutional support, but it does most of the time result in community support, if not institutional support. So like, even if I don't have an organization that is backing me, either financially or morally, I still usually do end up with, you know, meeting new people who are in support of what I do or meeting, meeting, meeting the right people, at least in the community who offer moral support. And then those turn into lasting relationships. So that's great. Like it, it, it scares it me. Redefines when, the expectations yeah, over time. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say it scares me when I am disappointing people that are a lot older than me. Like I'm just, <laughs> they're like, and also about being called kid. As long as you are 20 years younger than the person saying that, you will be called a kid. Like it's I like, I, it. like I'll, I'll take young. it. I'll take it. <laughs> Um, I mean, you, you can be 60 years old and 90 year old people would just be like, oh, well, you come on. <sighs> yeah. Matt, what do you how in what way have you um, constructed your preferred track and avoided the things that you super, super do not want to be part of? No, I'm, I'm definitely in Joel's camp, too. I've had a lot of trouble following like those kind of super institutional rules, like the super like corporate ones. And so I, I try to self-govern as much as I can because it's just it's just a more comfortable environment. For me, it, I've found that the issues happen when rules or just protocol or whatever almost become ritualized, like when there's, they're removed from the immediate situation because at their core, it's like conceptually, it seems like they're either describing how to avoid a fuck-up that we've had happen and we've all sort of figured out, oh, we can't let that happen again. And this is the best way we've figured out to avoid letting that happen. Or they're describing like a best policy based on past information. Like, oh, this is how we figured out how to ace this situation. But all of that requires you to be pretty close to that source information, you know, to be like close to that type of situation. And when they get codified in such a way that it's more of a ritual, it's more like, this is just what you do. You know, you just, you follow this playbook because that's just what happens. Like, I have a hell of a lot of trouble with that too. And it's just not for any like super like anti-authority reason, just because it's like, I just get really bored really fast. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm definitely turned from being any, any type of anti-authoritarian. I like, I love having good leadership that can actually tell me how the hell to do what I'm doing. Yeah. That's 
what I really like. I'm really happy that we got to talk about um, leadership. There's so much going on these days about who wants to work. And um, whenever I describe Thanksgiving to people, I describe it as like sitting at a, at a table that's too long and you can't reach most of the food because it's too far away. What you, but what you can hear, what you do have access to is your family member um, who has never liked you um, telling the other people at the table how nobody wants to work anymore. Because um, <laughs> that's what happened last year. And that's what happened the year before. It was just like, nobody, nobody wants to work anymore. But it's nice to talk about that because, you know, we've heard the phrase that, or maybe you've heard the phrase that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I quit my Y boss hard. I was just like, done. I can't. Told you a thousand times these freaking things. I need this to change. Nothing changes. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And people stay in jobs because of nice bosses. But yeah, anyway, back to circle back to the topic. It would be very cool to um, if we're talking so much about deliberate action and self-regard and um, deliberate action comes from somewhere, comes from mindset. And if my mindset is I have to be good at school or else I'm a sack of shit. I have to be good at writing songs or else I'm a failure. And, I'm, you know, I've come so far in music only to fail crazy or I, you know, like working with the kids but they don't like me because i don't know how to do it and they can tell i'm bad at it like if that's how i look at all of it Mm. even if i succeed eventually it'll be like the longest longest most bitter way to live my life um so it would be nice to not do that and i think what we've talked about will give some guidance to not doing that for me um (laughs) what about you yeah i think like Definitely from mindset, but also kind of like I alluded to earlier, like from a almost a 30,000 foot view of your mindset as well sometimes, you know, like not feeling like the mindset that you're in in a given moment has to be the arbiter of your success or failure in a moment because it's just like it leads you down such a toxic path. Like you're just you're going to have shitty days or days where you hate yourself or whatever, and it's totally fine. And probably to be expected, depending on the goal that you've set or the way that you want to improve yourself. It's like, that honestly just shows you that you're, you're out there on the skinny branches. And on the skinny a, branches? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good thing. Like that, you know, it shows that you're, you're really doing it. So I, I've really come to find that like respecting that, that mindset or even just your emotional, physical, whatever state is really, really important. But also don't give it too much rope, you know, like keep it where you can see it at all times. And like, I just, with myself, I imagine that there's kind of a higher me, almost like an it ego, super ego kind of deal, mm-hmm. but just uh, that there's some other layer that I'm I'm building and that I have complete and utter control over. And I can sort of look at these other ones and be like, nope, like ego, you're fucking up. Super ego, you're fucking up. Reel it in. It's It's just a mind game. It's just the way that I conceive of it to kind of get out of bed, like face the world. But it works, you know, and it's really, I found it's valuable to treat yourself well and treat your mindset and your disposition with respect, but also don't treat them as limiters if they're acting like limiters. Hmm.